Welcome to Overthinking in Your Underwear. This is Lindsay, and this week we are overthinking breakups. So actually, six steps to getting over a breakup. And we're back with our popular series with the relationship expert, Jill Simpson. So if you haven't listened before, we have done three episodes with relationship expert, Jill Simpson, along with my best friend, Trisha, for extra commentary. Uh, We've done uh, the relationship expert talks about sex, marriage, and dating. So make sure you look for those back in the podcast um, and on YouTube. So those are really popular episodes, really good content there. So Jill is comes in with the expert advice for whatever we're overthinking, whenever we're overthinking some juicy relationship stuff. So that's what we're talking about today is the breakup. Um, one of my favorite topics, one that I kind of think I'm an expert on, you know, I have had lots of breakups in my life. And for a long time before I kind of quote unquote did the work, I hate that word and I say it all the time. I hate that phrase and I'm always using it. I was really bad at breakups. Like I kind of dug into them. I use breakups as a way to injure my self-worth and just really take it as a personal offense to me and like dig into the wallowing of it. So I want to give you my six steps for getting out of a breakup. And as I was doing some Googling on this, I'm going to tell you these are not the normal steps. These are not the get out there and join a social club. It's not let yourself feel your feelings. It's not take a tap dance class. These are not the steps you're going to hear anywhere else. They're really like the overthinking steps, like the stuff that's a little bit different, that's going to make you scratch your head, that's going to make you think, that's going to make you do the work and kind of come out better on the other side. So without further ado, um, let's get into this conversation, these steps, this overthinking on the breakup uh, with our special guests, Jill Simpson and Trisha Hokinson. Thanks so much. Ready? Let's overthink it. Today, we are talking about the breakup, which I've been excited to do this one. And I have um, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. So we're going to get into it. Um, This is actually the perfect time of year for this to happen, for us to have this conversation, because I read that December 11th is the most common day for breakups. I also read something called the turkey drop because the likelihood for couples to break up right around the rush of holiday activities and everything like that, which is kind of obvious. That's kind of like shit gets real around the holidays, you know, like maybe there's some invites to meet each other's families. There's like pressures to buy gifts is coming up. You're going to like mix with the, with the friend groups, uh, maybe even religion. Do you guys, what do you guys think about that? Like this, this holiday breakup thing? Have you ever experienced it or noticed it? I don't know, but I love the name Turkey Drop. Turkey I mean, Drop. Yeah. You could just say I got turkey dropped instead of I got broken up with. Yeah. I've gotten turkey dropped for sure. Really? Oh, yeah. I've been dumped around the holidays like a million times. Well, I think Thanksgiving is like the safe holiday. Like it's easy. But then after Thanksgiving, it's like chick gets real. real. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if not, you're going to have to buy me a gift. And yes, Christmas is totally different than Thanksgiving. But I agree. You can like do that Wednesday night. This is like young people. You can do that Wednesday night, really drunk make out with someone. You know, and then like just roll to your individual Thanksgivings. And then after that, you're right. Shit gets real. It's like now we're talking about like who's who are we going to see for Christmas families? Like you have to buy me a gift. If you don't buy me a gift, you're telling me like right away you don't give shit about me. Like all this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think when you think about going into the holidays with someone that you either have a oh shit, or oh yeah. Like you feel yes. pretty distinctly um, because it's such a special time and you, you usually are around family and friends and you're like, is this person someone I want to bring to all those things or not? And then it kind of helps you, you know, gut check. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, gifts don't really mean that much, but I've definitely been like told how someone felt about me by the gift they gave me. You know, like I say this story in the book that like, 
I really liked this guy and I got him like all these really special gifts of like, oh, I knew he wanted this and he mentioned this and this was his favorite fragrance and da 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 da. And then he got me a candle and like yeah. not just a candle. I saw the same size box wrapped up like three times under his tree. He had bought in like just these can you know, he just gotten and bought in all these candles in bulk for like the women of his family. And he was like, here you go, lavender. And I yes. was like, okay, <laughs> here's where I rank. Like, I'm like one of your, I'm like a standard cousin. This is, this is how you feel about me. I was like, it was so heartbreaking. It's not that I wanted like anything expensive, but like my feelings were so hurt. Yeah. There wasn't thought behind it. No, no. So what we're going to do for this is actually the structure is that I have six steps for getting over a breakup, Um, you know, scientifically based on nothing scientifically based on getting dumped quite a bit. Um, but before, but before we get into that, I have a few other things. Um, I found a little study that said that most people start to feel better around the three month mark post breakup. Most people get over it or start to kind of heal that wound around three months, uh, based on a study that was like evaluated 155 undergraduates who'd been through breakups in the last six months, 71% started to feel significantly better around the 11 week mark. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I've taken, um, a decade to get over people. So I don't know that three months is my mark. I mean, a good decade. Um, the whole thirties, the whole thirties, but what do you guys think about three months? Um, maybe they're referring to the initial gut wrenching feeling where Mm -hmm. like you're physically can feel the breakup in your body, you know, like maybe that's what they're referring to because I feel like if you love someone, it takes longer than that. Yeah. It Um, feels fast. Yeah. That seems really fast, but it just depends on like how deep your feelings were for them, right? How long you were together. There's a lot of other factors. I'd like to see, you know, how, how they kind of evaluated that, but right. I would guess, you know, that's probably just the initial shock, heartbreak. How do I go about my life? But what's my new normal, you know, yeah. Yeah, you have to reevaluate all of that and your routines and who you called for support and who you went out with on the weekends and like all that might take some time. And I could see where the three month mark would help with that. But when it comes to like the real deep in your softest moments, like, are you still thinking about them? I think it's longer. Yeah. yeah. I think it has come, has more to do with like routine habit, mm-hmm. right? Like, what did they say? Like 21 days or whatever it is create like, a habit. that create a habit. So it's more of like, okay, I've found a little bit of a new normal, but when they go to bed at night, are they still so sad? Right. How are those, how are those PhD students or what do they say? Graduate students. Yeah. Um, this is the six steps for getting over a breakup. I talk about this in the book and they're really not like the normal ones. They're not like, um, I've read a lot of these online of like how to get over a breakup. Um, make sure you give yourself time to grieve. Like they always kind of say stuff like that, which I do agree with that, but I think these are just like a little bit different. So Step one is don't look for the perfect breakup ending. Like you're not writing a rom-com here. Don't try to wrap it up in a bow. And I always say Trisha is really bad about this. Best friend Trisha is really bad about this. So am I, which is why, you know, best friends have a lot in common. And maybe you guys aren't, but what I always try to do is like, I always want like, to end things on a good note with the person. And sometimes that's just not possible. Maybe down the road, you can come back and like circle back around and have that moment that you want of clarity or that moment of peace or the moment of like them like looking each other in the eyes and like saying everything's okay. But sometimes things are just bad and you're in a bad place and you just need to walk away. And if you keep trying to like end it correctly, you're never going to get out of it okay. I think the reason I always do it is because maybe things have gotten so bad and I know they don't really see me the way I want them to see me. So I keep trying to kind of like get my perfect ending. I know it's going to end, but I try to get my perfect ending and it just belabors the point and it's, it's not healthy. Does that feel like Trish? I know it feels normal to you. (laughs) I've seen you do it. Yeah, I did it. I mean, I did it for two years, right? Right. Ending my longest relationship 
literally took me two years. We did it yeah. like a hundred times over. But I also think too, like, that's just like the, I don't know. I want to say lack of maturity, but I think it's honestly like, you're just so invested in that person and you really saw a forever. And so as you do get older, having an older breakup, you know, I think it's different from when you're 25 versus 35 or whatever, but yeah, I always wanted it to tie up in a bow, right? Like I wanted that because to me that solidified, it meant something that like, Mm -hmm. I didn't just waste eight years of my life. Like Mm -hmm. if we can end on a positive note, but as I don't know where I heard or whatever, but things don't end unless they're bad. Right. So yes, by their ending. So accept the bad, like accept it because in time you will get the closure that you need or make it feel like there's a bow around it or whatever, you know, but yeah, it's, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah. When I think back on like just the things I was learning at that time, um, whether that was my first heartbreak or just like, you know, my later in life heartbreaks, like it is, I feel like it is such an unnatural thing to break up with someone. Um, even if it is bad, it just feels so weird because I mean, I know you two are the same way. Obviously you've been friends forever, but my friends are like my family. And so my boyfriend or whoever I am with is like that too. And so it's so hard for me to untether all the things and feel okay about like never talking to that person again, because I don't have many people in my life that I've done that with, because if you're in my, if you're under my umbrella, you're there for a very long time, unless there's something real bad. Right. So it's, to me, it always felt so unnatural with this person that I was with for so long. I mean, I had before Mike and I were married, I had three very serious relationships and all three of them I cared very much about. And so it was always so weird to be like, and now we're no longer going to be in each other's lives. Have a good one. Like it's weird. Well, of course you're going to feel like you need to like tend to it still or check in with them still, or, you know, you care about their family and their friends and their life and them as human beings. It's really hard to turn that off. I think it also, like you said something that's important, like, Give yourself permission to be like, you know what? I'll call you in a couple months. We'll have coffee in a couple months. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's always a tendency to be like, I will never, we'll never speak again yeah. or yeah. like be really dramatic about it or just be like, okay, well I can, and I mean, and there is something about cutting off, you know, social, social media scrolling and stuff. We'll kind of get to that about cutting off that energy right away, especially. But I think like, give yourself permission to be like, you know what, we're breaking up, but like, let's catch up in a couple months. I definitely want to know how you're doing because there is that horrible feeling mm-hmm. of like, I'm never going to see this person again that I spent so much time with. I yep. love so much. Like, you don't, we don't have to be so dramatic about it, you know? Yep. And I think yeah. it's, but that's a great point. I think it's, that would feel like so much better in the moment mm-hmm. too. Like, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll touch base. This isn't forever. And always I am going to check in with you. It doesn't feel as like sucker punch, <laughs> like, you know, right. Like, um, but I also think, you know, closure is a natural human condition. We, but many of us want that. That's just a, a normal thing to, to want, no matter what it is. Um, and so there's sometimes, and I think Trisha, you're right. The majority of the time in life, closure comes your way. It just might not be in your timing. Um, and I would say like out of the serious relationships I've had, most of them I've had closure on one of them I have not. And it feels weird. And I've talked to Mike about it. Like we've talked about it. Like I haven't seen him since we broke up because he was really, really angry at, at it. The fact that I wanted it, all ties were cut off and I have never ran into him again. And that feels weird still. I mean, this is, that was my college relationship. And I am like, you know, in my forties now. And it is like, and Mike's always said, if you see him out, like, I hope you guys talk. I hope oh, that's dinner. It's done. Um, I hope you guys talk. I hope that you have that closure. I would totally support that. And because he's had that with his exes and we both know that that's something that's important. Um, Don't just- you think that's so weird though, that that hasn't happened? Cause we're, we all three believe big about energy and like, you know, eventually that stuff surfaces, like, mm-hmm. especially when you're thinking about it, not that you're sitting around thinking about it. Yeah. All the- yeah. But just surprised, Jill, that like you haven't ran into. Well, I mean, we had very, very similar friends too. But yeah, he lives in he lives in another city, so that that doesn't help. Um, But like you know, we just never have cross paths like at anything, Um, and that's fine. I think that's probably energetically purposeful. I don't know. I believe in that stuff too, so I don't know what the reason would be. But I just think it's normal to 
want that. You know, it doesn't mean you need them in your life ongoing, but it's nice to be like, are you good? Are you good? Like, look at our life. How, how are your kids? How is your wife? Yes. How is, you know, like yeah. that's it really. That's all I would really care about. Is yes. In a breakup, it's such raw emotion. There's so much anger. There's so much hurt. Mm-hmm. No one is thinking rationally, right? No. Like, it, mm-hmm. so it's hard to like, of course we have this perspective because we've lived it, mm-hmm. talked, but I think it it is too, like forgiveness too. Like, I want to know that you forgive me because I didn't handle that great. Right. And so whenever there's things that we don't handle great, I want to know that like, you know, I've apologized and I've, like you said, wrapped it up in a bow or that there's been forgiveness or like, you don't hate me. Right. Like that we were kids. Right. So like, and, and I just, that's a piece of it too. I think most people want that as well. Like, yes. Do you see me for me and not what, how we ended, but rather the rest of the thing was, yeah. Yes. Not just that you don't see me just for the ending. Yes. Which is what you were um, saying, Lindsay. You were mentioning that too. Like I want them oh, to have, sure. like, you want to finesse the final like view of you, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to kind of wrap up each of these steps with just kind of like, I'm just going to kind of wrap up each of one of these steps, basically. So look at your lessons from the, the relationship and leave it there, basically. Give gratitude for your lessons, whether they're good or bad. You can do this through writing or meditation um, or just bringing them to mind. Uh, but wrap it up in a Don't try to wrap it up in a bow. Don't hold on to it for too long. Um, number two, step two, is don't confuse your emotions. Um, what I mean by don't confuse your emotions is... When you're in a relationship, you often kind of, you often see yourself in the other person. Like a lot of times you see yourself like, oh, I feel more artistic when I'm with this person or that person made me feel sophisticated or that person made me feel smart or something like that. So a lot of times when the person, when you break up with someone, obviously you miss the person, you miss your routines, you miss your Sunday morning brunch, but you can kind of feel like you're missing a part of yourself because you're missing kind of like how you felt around them or how they looked at you. But don't confuse your emotions. Don't confuse that you've lost a part of yourself because you have it. You're still that person. You're still artistic. You're still smart. You're still sophisticated. You're still classy. You were just sort of feeling that way when you're when you are around that person. So don't spend your time missing yourself. You're still there. Lessons learned, more resilient, and ready to move on even better for your next relationship. So that's kind of what I talk about in that step two is I think it's easy to kind of feel like you lost a part of yourself, but you're still there. Yeah. I think it's natural for humans to connect, to be married, to be in a relationship, right? And we want to be with that person that makes us feel that much more artistic, that much more funny, that much more whatever. So when you feel that way, the person, it's like, how do I, like, maybe they're the one, how do I make this work? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you're being and searching for that. I feel mm-hmm. like. Yeah, definitely. Like part of your identity could be like, I was that person's person. And so you have to kind of figure out like, what are you still without being that person's person, you know? Right. Yeah. Whether you are a wife or you are yeah. a girlfriend or you are a husband or yeah. right. Mm-hmm. There's a like, lot of identity wrapped up into that, um, which is why a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people, I think, lie to themselves about whether it's right or wrong because they are seeking that so much, the partnership piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, they might lose themselves in that and not really be honest about who they are, or what they want in a partner, because they that connection is so important for them, especially, you know, at, at certain ages when it's like, socially acceptable. You're supposed to be this by now or whatever. I think a lot of people lie to themselves. I see it all the time in my practice. People that never ever gotten married, they were just doing it based on timing. And it's, it's been a really rough road for a lot of them because they aren't truly each other's people. (laughs) They just were trying to fit, you know, square peg into a round hole. They're more tied to being a wife or being a husband than they are being each other's partners, maybe. Yeah. Or that was their avenue to be a mom. Or that was mm-hmm. the dad. And like, that's an identity they've always wanted. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of falls in line with number two and what we were just uh, talking about. I read this kind of like quote unquote concept in a book recently, which is don't fall in love with a story or that people fall in love with a story. So we date people that have something in them that we want 
when you find someone that has all these qualities that you want, that's usually when you start dating someone, right? So you see this thing in a person that they have and you want it to, their confidence, their charisma, their charm, their looks, and then you expand to adopt them and kind of like envelop those things too. And then you suddenly start feeling like you're more charismatic, you're more charming, you're better looking because you're in this partnership. So people are attracted to people because of other things that they want in themselves, right? Other things you might see somebody and be like, I kind of lack confidence. They're really confident. So now I'm going to start dating them. I think I've definitely done that. I definitely always go for the confident person because believe it or not, I'm actually not that confident. Um, so this was kind of like this concept that I read in this book and I was like, ah, oh, that's so interesting. Um, so does that like ring true to you guys at all? Like the seeing something in someone else and like that you want, and then that's why you date the person. No, no, it does. I'm actually thinking of, um, you know, I think this is the case with any relationship really, like not just a romantic partner, which I know is what we're talking about right now. But like with friendships, yes, too. yeah, um, we seek out the, those sort of things, um, you know. Because I, I was actually talking to a good friend of mine recently, and she's like, "I'm an introvert, and I've always been an introvert, and so all my best friends have always been extroverts mm-hmm. because they carry that for me, and I don't have that, and it's both more comfortable and more balanced." And I think that's the same way with romantic partnerships. Like you seek something that's going to make you feel more comfortable um, in whatever A, B, or C way, um, and that whatever that is, I think it's a natural thing you want to lean into because it feels better. I mean, for sure in my relationships, I ha- I date two different types. I date the like calm, cool, collected type. And then I date the like wild, crazy, kind of more like me type. Um, and I've had two and two in my life. And so I can see where, I- why I le- leaned into those people because they're parts of me that are there, but like not as developed as they have, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, obviously the more stable is normally the calm, cool, collected one, which is who I married. Um, but the other ones were really fine. It just wasn't my long-term match. So they were, they were qualities that I felt I needed long-term or that would be stable long-term, but they were fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I definitely could see where you kind of do that. You like lean into something that is like alluring or that you wish you had, or that might be a void or a weakness or an area of improvement that you have. Um, that you see that they have mastered. And so you want to hop on board to whatever You want to kind of glom on to it, not to exactly. be unromantic. The don't fall in love with the story part was in this book that I was reading. It was actually a fiction book, but they had like so much nonfiction laced into it was the couple definitely did that. They definitely like um, found like the yin to their yang, but in almost an unhealthy way, like, she needed these things from him. He needed these things from her. And then they met in kind of this unusual way. And then they really fell in love with their story. So they would, they kept, te- they would go out on these dinner dates and they would like, oh, how'd you guys meet? And their story kept getting bigger and bigger, almost to the point that it was bigger than them. And then the story starts and they're our age, they're 45 and they're not happy. And she's kind of like, I fell in, eventually she's kind of like, I fell in love with the story. I fell in love with this like myth about us mm-hmm. and it's not that it wasn't real, but it just, it became bigger than us. And we didn't do the work on the real part because it was just kind of like all romanticized mm-hmm. and they end up staying together is the, um, they, the whole book is kind of the hard part of their marriage and they end up staying together, but, um, well, good for them. Yes, they they kind of do some of the work and everything. But that's kind of what I mean by don't fall in love with a story. So I think like if you are going through a breakup, I think an easy, not an easy, but maybe a helpful thing to do is say like, was I just in love with the story anyway? Like maybe that could be a way to kind of like work yourself out of it or work yourself out of like a romantic cloud if you're feeling if you're feeling that, you know, because I think it's easy to do. For sure. Um, Mike's first marriage is that exactly. Um, he, they were, they knew each other in high school. They were best friends. They started dating afterwards and everyone thought, Oh, it's so cool. You guys were best friends, you know, in middle school and high school and now you're together. And he's like, in the end, that's all we were was best friend. We weren't lovers. 
Um, yeah, and so we got married, and because it was just such a cool story, it was so cute. Yeah, it was like, but we never were more than that, and you need more than that for longevity. And so they obviously ended up divorcing. They weren't together very long at all in their marriage, but um, it's once reality hit that, like, oh, we made this huge decision based off of story. I think they both would say that. I know Mike does. Um, you know that it, it was that's what they thought was so alluring was a story, not the actual yeah. relationship itself. I'm super guilty of that. And I don't know if it's human nature or if it's just because I'm a writer, but like the cuter the story, I mean, yeah. I'm done for. I'm yeah. just like, I, I will fall in love with the story. People stay in unhappy marriages because they're trying to live out the story versus. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think, and I think like we grew up in a generation where we were kind of told a story, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. We watched too many rom-coms. Yeah, you, exactly. Right. And this is how it happens and whatever. And they weren't telling us the truth. <laughs> I always kind of laugh. I'm like, I could never meet a guy and be like, well, we met on hinge. We went to uh, a steakhouse and we fell in love because that's boring. And no one likes that story. Like I have to have like some sort of dramatic thing. Sorry, my dog. Um, like I have to have a good story. And if there's a good story, I'll put up, you know, this Trish, I'll put up with anything yeah. um, because I love the story. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is the writer in you. What is he doing? Okay, so step four of how to get over a breakup is don't be a drama mama. And I was super, all of these I've been super, I am super guilty of and I've been super guilty of. That's why they're on my list. So Years ago, when I was going through a 10-year breakup, it wasn't a 10-year breakup. It was 10 years being depressed about it. Um, I, like, really played in. First of all, I played into the story of it. And then I, like, really played into the drama of it. Like, I would, like, play sad songs and drive around and cry in the rain. Like, I just loved the drama of it. And it's really easy to get caught up in the drama of it. And, like, tell your friends the story of the breakup. And, and the, my breakup story was actually pretty good. And like, tell your friends a story and continue to tell your story, the friend, your friends, a story. And then next time you see a new group of friends at happy hour, go, do I have a story for you? And then tell your work friends and then tell a new group of friends. And like, I was always like re-injuring myself over and over, but like, don't fall for the drama. Like when you're doing that, you're just like, are continuing, like keeping this energy of the breakup coming back to you every day. And how are you ever going to get over it when you're just sitting there? Woe is mean all the time. Like you're never going to do that. You need to feel your feelings, obviously pick them up, put them down, learn a lesson and leave it there and move on. There's that's something that like people, especially if you're an external processor, which people are usually one or the other, they're either external or internal. Um, and they're usually together, side note. But um, if you're an external processor, that's the way that you heal is by saying it over and over. Um, but then there comes an unhealthy point, right? Um, and that something that I heard a long time ago and that I thought was really helpful that helps with that is like I made a list of all the reasons why um, we weren't together and all the reasons why I shouldn't be with that person. Um, because I think it's easy to want to talk about all the horrible things and all the things, but then like, you're like, but I miss them, but I, the, you know, I'm running around in the rain listening to, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel there all the things you feel about them. But if you have this list, which I always, I tell them, like I used to see teenagers and, and young adults too. And I would tell them, make a list, make a list of all the things that you can look back on when you're wanting to regurgitate all of that and wanting to waller in it again. And like that, that will be a way to process that you won't be re-injuring yourself so much. It's going to be focused on healing rather than reliving it all. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's a way to kind of get around it versus just constantly saying the same thing over and over to yourself and to your friends. Um, after a point, because you're right, like I think you need to feel your feelings. And I think if you're external, you need to let that out. I call it dump it, right? Or relieve the pressure valve. Um, if you're internal, people will write about it usually to kind of mm -hmm. heal it. Um, but I was doing both. I yeah, was you doing both. Were. I just want everyone to know. Yeah. You probably are a little bit of both, aren't you? Yeah. 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 And I don't know if this is cheesy, but and I I've never done this, but give yourself a time limit. Like mm -hmm. say, okay, for a week, I'm going to talk to any of my friends I want. I'm going to write. I mean, I think you can write about it for a long time because I mean, creativity is like 
Yeah. Misery is the best creativity. Um, but you know, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to listen to all of our old songs, like whatever. But when that week is up, we're moving on. Like I am, I'm going to cut off a thought when it happens. I'm not going to talk to my friend. If my friends bring it up, I'm going to say, thank you so much for asking, but I'm going to like, I'm moving on to positive things now. Like I feel like giving yourself a time limit is probably a good idea. Sure. I mean, it's, yeah, it's self-discipline, like to, for your own self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, I think that would be a great idea. Yeah. I don't know what your time, what someone's time limit should be. Find your own time limit. Yeah. Something to think about if you are in that like really wallowing phase of it is, are you scapegoating your breakup for something else? Because I think it's easy to play the victim or get like stuck in this cycle of depression and then just say, oh, yeah, but I'm so, oh, so injured over this breakup. So that's why I'm laying in bed all day. Or that's why I'm so sad. Or that's why I'm not going out. Or that's why I feel this way. But like, make sure you're being real with yourself. You know, check yourself before you reject yourself. Like, am I just in general upset? Am I really just like super unhappy with where I am in my life and my career? Like, is this about something else that has nothing to do with him or her? Like, Make sure you're like being honest with yourself because it might have nothing to do with your partner, your previous partner, and you might really need to make some changes, which this is a great time to make some changes because you have that big breakup energy mm-hmm. coursing through your brain, your brains, your veins, and you can make some changes. Um, so number five of steps to getting over a breakup is the X factor. So being friends with your exes, I think everyone has different rules when it comes to this. I think we all know that right away, it's really important to cut off that energy. Like you're not going to go out and like start playing pickleball with them the next day. Sorry, pickleball is just like top of brain right now. Um, You're not going to go out and start like running around with them the next day. You need to cut off that energy. But there's always that urge to like keep them close and be friends with them. I think it's very important to cut off like social media energy. You don't have to like dramatically block them. You can always just hide their account. Like don't go to their socials. Don't, don't follow them. Like don't check up on what they're doing. Don't look at new girlfriends for God's sake or new boyfriends. Like just leave it alone. Like as much as you can do to like keep their energy out of where you are, the better. So this is what I write in the book, and it's a little bit weird, but I think it's really helpful advice. I kind of modified it from something I learned in like a kind of a workshop. But imagine you literally have like a relationship ventricle in your heart. So flowing through that ventricle is the energy of three ex-boyfriends and a person you met at the gym last week. You talk to them, you text them, you cuddle if it's raining outside. The, the universe glances down and does a quick assessment of your of your ventricle and says, oh, bummer, they're all backed up in the relationship department. The universe was about to move a proper partner into your path by way of a a meet-cute coffee-spilling subway scenario, but now that's not happening. Show the universe that you're open for partnership and not clogged up with the old energy of old exes and casual hangouts. Free your heart for a new relationship, which may mean being alone for a while to get the blood flowing again. So, what that means is that you need to really like free up your heart and your life and your brain and like all of your spirituality for something new. And if you're thinking about your ex, if you're talking about your ex, if you're playing pickleball with your ex, if you're looking at all of their social media, like that energy is still tethered and running through you and you really need to release it. So, um, You may be friends with them down the road, but it really needs to be after that energetic bond has been broken three months, six months, however long that takes where you really don't feel that anymore. So you can have something new come into your life. Yes. Create the space for others. Create the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Create the space. Mm -hmm. If that, if their energy is still sitting on your heart, Mm -hmm. nothing else can be there. Nope. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think it's one thing to be like cordial with them. Um, yeah. The yeah. ones I've had closure with that I was referring to, I think that's, I think that's, you know, the end goal. Um, I just don't know how it just depends. It depends on the situation. I mean, 
if you're in the same friend group and you're going to have to see them or you work together or whatever that is, like I can see where that would be a higher probability of happening. Um, but if your paths really aren't going to cross or your friends aren't really the same anymore, um, and it depends on if your new partner, if you have one down the road, is comfortable with that because I think they have a right to have a say in how that looks um, or how they feel about that. And then you get to decide what you want to do with that. Um, I don't know. I think it's hard if you had an attachment to the degree that you do with the person that you're with to take it down to just friends. Yeah. Like, I I think it's like, yeah, it is. Unless it was like a childhood. Like, I feel like that about my high school sweetheart. Like, you know, like I've seen him at reunions and Mike's met him and like, it's fine. You know, like it feels like we could be friends. Um, you know, we're talking about planning our 25 year reunion together or whatever, like, but it's not friends mm-hmm. or like acquaintances, you know, I don't know. I think it just kind of depends on many factors. Do you agree? Where, where are you at with that, Trisha? Yeah. I just, unless you were to like have children with somebody and then you guys get divorced, like I've seen that happen friends of friends. To where like the that they've divorced and the four of them now they've both remarried and they're all best friends like right you have something to be connected about to raise these children right. but I think when you're single and you haven't had kids with this person and and I'm just trying to think of any situations that I've come across of but I just think like no you know like you're just you're moving on you know because at the end of the day somebody like my ex's friends are his friends, right? Like they're not like not saying I didn't have a good relationship with them, but you just kind of got to respect those boundaries, I think. And move right. on. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're married, it's totally different. I do think it's super cute when you're in like a Chris Martin, Gwyneth Paltrow situation. You guys are all like vacationing together in the Maldives. Yeah. That's like, right, but they're doing that because for of the kids. kids. Yes, for the kids. Exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. I think that's cute. Yeah. I don't anybody else that doesn't have children is like, we just love each other so much. Let's go celebrate. And our other partner doesn't care at all. And it's just so cool. No, that is, it's not normal. No, I agree. I I agree. It's not normal, but I think like, um, doing that sort of co-parenting is really healthy. Uh, but I also on the, on the flip side of that, I think it takes a while, a long while before that normally happens. I mean, I have, you know, some good friends of mine that have had that exact scenario and they are good now, but it took like years, years, plural, five to seven years for that to feel that way, you know, and now they like watch each other's kids and, you know, they're like, it, they, I don't know if they'd go on vacation together, um, but it's definitely okay, you know, yeah, watch each other's kids that they've had with other people, I mean, <laughs> in their yeah. other languages. Um, and so I think that's super neat and I love that. Um so I think it's possible. I mean, actually, I have in my life, like this is a side note, but I'll just tell the story. Um, my parents, I think you know this, Trisha. My dad was married um, before to his high school sweetheart. And my mom was married before to her high school sweetheart. And they were all friends because they went to the same high school pretty much. Um, actually, all, they did. Um, and they ended up getting divorced. Um, and my dad's ex-wife ended up marrying his best friends from childhood. And so then my dad and my mom got together and the four of them hung out and they are still like even my stepmom now that my mom had passed, like they all vacation together. The four of them are the best of friends and there's no kids involved. It was just a choice. Like, and my dad always says, Nancy was supposed to be my best friend. She's just, that's who she was in my life. Butch is his best friend from childhood. He's like, I wasn't about to let go of Butch. So we are like all these years later, that's high school to now, you know, in their seventies. So that was always a, a model for me growing up um, that like how cool that was, like the story of forgiveness and understanding and just true friendship and connection. Um, yeah. When everyone hears that, they're like, what? Your dad's ex-wife and his best friend hang out with each other? Like, you guys all hang out? Like, yeah, they do. They're like my second parents. I mean, they were in every yeah. childhood memory, every vacation. That's wild. Yeah. But um, I love that. And I think that's what's great. Like, those are the situations where it should work, right? When people are emotionally mature, secure, like they realize, you know, that's why I think sometimes with the exes, it's like, oh, but they were such a big part of my life and we should be friends. Well, that will eventually show in time, right? Obviously with your dad and his ex, it did show in time. They were meant to be friends, right? Right. right. 
it's a lot easier for everybody to kind of understand and grasp and support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Step six is channel your energy. So I kind of already mentioned this before, but at the end of a relationship, you at the end of relationships, you have big relation, you have big breakup energy. Um, so channel it, start a company, learn to juggle, write a novel, use your big breakup energy for something besides going out and drinking and making out with a random guy and making more mistakes that will take you further off course from where you want to be. And when you get out of that phase, you're going to wake up and be even more depressed than when you started. Not judging because definitely have done that, definitely taken that route, but wished I'd channeled all the energy into something positive. I've definitely used my energy for positive things too, but I've definitely used it for self-destructive things as well. So don't use it to be self-destructive. Take all the energy and do something you wanted to do. Get your master's. I mean, there's nothing that fuels you forward like revenge. <laughs> not, really re- not really revenge. I'm just kidding. But nothing fuels, you know, fuels you forward like wanting to get to a higher place, you know? So take that energy and, and go forward not to do to get it. Yeah. Not so to, <laughs> to rebound or to not or not to rebound when you're going through a breakup. Oh rebounds are fun. Ooh, yeah. You rebound know with no expectations. Yeah. Okay. Although I do think it can be like a huge disappointment. Setback. Yeah. Like I think it can be a setback. If you're the yeah. wrong person like me, I think it can be a huge setback. Yeah. Because then all you do is compare and I'm never gonna find and oh my gosh, and is it out there? And this, this person's never gonna compare to um that's something actually that that I feel like I learned too in, in breakups is you know, even if I was the one that initiated it, I felt like it's so easy in those first few months, especially if you do go on dates with anyone else to compare them to the ex. Yeah. And you might miss out on a really awesome person because you're doing the comparison. Mm-hmm. But it's not apples to apples because you really knew your ex, hopefully. Right. And so right. you're still getting to know this new person. And I mean, I, there were so many you know, like things that I think I thought, like, oh, I don't like that. Or I don't like that. Or, I don't like that. I didn't think really about it as fully as I could have because it didn't match the mold of what I was used to. Oh, yeah. I think we talked about that in another podcast. Like, I wish I would have dated different. You know, like, it's just not, I think it's unfair to the new people that you meet to do that. But it's so hard to not subconsciously go there. Um, but it could be better than it was with your ex because it's different. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. You just have to give it time. Basically, give it time before you make a decision. Yeah. Um, if that is a no-go or not with someone new. When yeah. Or be very transparent. Like this rebound. Are you in it for a rebound? Right? Like Because then can be bounce, productive. bounce. <laughs> that can be productive. But then maybe the rebound turns into something more and then you guys continue to have conversations. Jill, like what, based on what you were saying, Trish and my mutual best friend used to always say to me when I was going through the 10 year breakup, um, I'm just going to call my ex John Stamos. It wasn't John Stamos, but I need to insert a name here. She she would get so mad at me because I'd go out with someone. I'd be like, it was horrible. I hated him. He was stupid or, you know, whatever. I hated how he chewed his steak. And she'd be like, if John's, she's like, it doesn't matter. If John Stamos doesn't show show up for your date, you're not going to be happy. Meaning my ex, mm-hmm. if, unless it's him, you're not going to be happy. Like, right. unless your ex walks in the door and sits down, you're not going to be happy. You're going to tell me you hate everyone, which I did. I hate, told her I hated everyone, told her everything was terrible. Mm-hmm. And those people did not have a chance. It really wasn't fair to them, yeah. you know, but it was, and also looking back, how many great guys were sitting there, you know? Part of it is just, it's unfamiliar. So it's uncomfortable. And yeah. that's really what it is that you didn't like is the unfamiliarity. Um, yes. And it doesn't mean that, you know, they're absolutely not for you. I mean, it could. I'm big on following your gut, but you have to figure out like what is the raw healing piece of me that's saying this or what is like the actual like my gut saying, you know, red flag or radar going off. This is not a match for you, um, you know, and that takes some self-reflection. But I think often it's just this isn't comfortable because it's not familiar and therefore abort. like I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah, you need to be ready to do the rebound yeah. if you're Get, prepare yourself and then have fun. Bounce, bounce, as right. we said. Um, so those are my six steps. If you guys had to pick, like, if I had to pick my one best piece of advice 
um, I would say it's the cut off all the energy. Don't social media stock. Don't talk to them. Don't look at your old pictures. Like they have to be dead to you for a period of time. Like you have to cut off that energy would be my best piece of advice in general. What is your all's best piece of advice? Do you think? I agree with that a thousand percent. Cut it off. Especially in this day and age. Yeah. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I I say all the time, it's like that Sam Hunt song, you know, breaking up was easy in the nineties. Like that's how it feels. Like, yes. Imagine breaking up with all the things that people have now. Like Mm -hmm. that is just like literally pouring, you know, (laughs) alcohol in the wounds. Like it's just, it it seems like torture. Um, Yeah. It's it's hard enough to hear. Like I remember, just like even hearing the person's name when we broke up was like, you know, in conversation. If someone brought him up or whatever, let alone like seeing pictures of the first people, right? See them posting the story or whatever it is. Yeah, it's horrible. Would you guys rather be the breakup er or the breakup e? Breakup e. Really? Wait, I'm I'm, I'm breakup er. Wait, okay, like no, I just I asked the question and now I confused myself. Would you rather break up with someone or would you rather get broken up with? I would rather get broken up with because I think breaking up with somebody is Well, I I would rather you too because you're terrible at breaking up with people. Oh, thank you. You're but welcome. I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Yeah, I, I know. Say, that's like Trisha's like one of her main things. Like she hates that. Yeah. And not that oh, I love God. that, but I would much rather be the one that that breaks up. Um, because you just feel like oh, you obviously have more control over that. Um, yeah. And that that to me is more comforting. Um, even if you are like sad or, you know, having obviously your own emotions about it. Um, I think that's easier to carry than it not being in, under your control. And you're like just still pining after that person. Yeah. I mean, there's- when you're the one that broke up, you normally have already started processing it like months before or weeks before. And then the person that was broken up with is like blindsided maybe, or hasn't really thought much about it and they have to start from scratch. So I would rather be ahead of the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, and if you're breaking up with someone, you're not dealing with all of that rejection. No, I have broken up with people before only because they did the like reverse breakup on me like that, like that. I'm just going to slowly be the worst Uh, boyfriend in the whole world until you have to like break up with me, which is horrible. So like you're breaking up with yourself when you're like, okay, well, this is over because you're not being a good boyfriend. And so you're breaking up with the person, but then you still feel like the pain of rejection and like you still feel all the emotions, you know, for sure. That is like. The reverse breakup's horrible. Yeah. Like, I think that might be the worst way. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, if I had to, like, yeah. Yeah. Breaking up with yourself is the worst. Yeah. When you have to break up with yourself like that, it's like. Because there's normally so much more damage done in the, like, lead up, you know, because Mm -hmm. of all the feelings you're having. And then it's like, oh, then I have to now deal with how you're not in my life. I mean, that just seems awful. Yeah. I hate that one. That one's definitely happened. Um, Lindsay, when you were kind of talking about like the, you know, searching for someone that has similar qualities, qualities that you'd like, um, you know, I think that, you know, people will ask me every once in a while, like, do you feel like opposites attract? And I always say Paula Abdul was right. Like, I really feel like they do. And part of that is the seeking the strengths out, you know, from each other. Um, and it it took everything in me not to, not to start singing out. (laughs) I'm going to leave all your pain in. Don't worry. I'm not going to leave it all in. Um, Like, yeah. And I don't think, like, I definitely think opposites attract. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it in terms of, like, like you, um, you and Mike obviously balance each other out really well. I think that becomes a problem when it's like, I have no, I'm not saying me personally. I'm just, I'm doing some role playing here. Oh, okay. Acting. Um. <laughs> When it's like, oh, I have no self-worth, so I'm going to date this person over here who has tons of confidence and tons of self-worth because I like feel really small and insignificant. And then you go date that person and then you wonder why you still aren't happy and you still don't feel good about yourself. It's like you can't. That's not how that's not how it works. You can't date. You can't date this person to fill yourself up like that doesn't work. I think 
dating opposites obviously works when you're an extrovert and your husband's more of an introvert. And then you guys are the life of the party because you guys have both sides of your personality. You guys actually Mm -hmm. are the complete package. Like that obviously works, you know? I think it doesn't work if you're like seeking something out in someone because you're lacking it in yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Versus working on that on your own, you know, and work to then strengthen that area. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Otherwise, yeah, the yin to the yang is great. You have like the party animal that makes you go out a little bit more, the one that pulls you in and says, no, we need to stay home tonight. So, you know, you have like the best of both worlds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just one last thing I want to note. This is kind of from the part of the book that I won't read it word for word, but that I noted was like, we all, when we get broken up with, or even if we just go out with someone and they ghost us, it's easy to, it's easy to torture yourself and like make it really, really personal. But like torturing yourself when a date or partner doesn't return your affection is a misguided missile of self-inflicted pain. Like well, you need to remember that like the reason people call it quits is is re- it's a lot of times, most of the time, it's not personal. Sometimes it's unresolved childhood traumas. Sometimes they don't like how you chew your steak, whatever it is. But lots of times it's not about us, but we internalize the attack and use it as a way to injure our self-worth over and over again. Like think about times you've not like when I was just talking about the John Stamos thing, like the, t- the all those guys that I went out with, which I'm sure they're still crying about. But all those guys that I went out with and I was like, no, no, not, I don't want to go out with you again. If they had sat there and thought, well, maybe I'm, maybe it's cause I'm too fat or it's cause I'm balding or I'm not funny. It's like, no, she just is like completely obsessed with her ex-boyfriend. There's nothing she could have done. Like think how many times you've gone out with someone and the reason you don't like them has nothing to do with them. But it's so hard to turn the tables and do that to yourself when a date doesn't call you back and go, you're you're so quick to go, I looked terrible in that outfit. Oh my God, I made that joke and it was so dumb. It's like, why, why is it? It probably has nothing to do with you. They're probably hung up on someone else. Maybe they are super focused on their career. Maybe it was a bad night for them. Maybe something just happened in their family. Like, why do not take it personally? Just do not take it so personally because it rarely has that much to do with you you know? Yes, totally. Thousand percent agree. Yeah. That's kind of my last piece of advice is don't take it so personally. Yeah. Okay. You guys have dinner. Love you guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.